How about turning with me to Philippians uh, again, where we are? I mean, uh, chapter number three, Philippians three. Going to read from verse five, eight through verse fourteen. Rich's uh, son school on intimidators or imitators. Uh, he's one week ahead. That's next week's sermon. So I don't know why he didn't hold that off one more week, but he didn't. So uh, we'll be looking at that next week. But today we're going to look at pursuing the prize, how that we work on regaining our purpose as we've been looking at all along. The theme for the series, I'm going to quit reminding you all this probably, but it's in Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. They're plans of good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. We need to regain our purpose as individuals in a church because there's a world out there that needs Jesus Christ and we are the light before them, all right? How many of you know the name Roy Regals? Anybody? Okay. His name is synonymous from a 1929 Rose Bowl. Now, some of the younger people say, I didn't know Brother Larry was alive in 1929. Well, I wasn't, okay, but there is a story about him that made him famous. It was uh, Georgia Tech was playing the University of California, Berkeley in the Rose Bowl. The center for the Tech team, Georgia Tech team, was Roy Regals. And uh, he snapped the ball to the quarterback, and the quarterback fumbled the ball. So Regals happened to be right there. He picked that ball up on the 30-yard line and began running toward the goal. But before he got to the goal, he got hit and turned around. And he ran 65 yards in the other direction before somebody tackled him on their own three-yard line. A couple of plays later, the quarterback got sacked in the end zone for a safety that gave the uh, other team two points. And as a result, uh, Riggle's team lost 8-7. to seven. Isn't that something? And at that point, he was given the nickname, listen to this, Wrong Way Regals. Wrong Way Regals. You know, isn't it amazing? The biggest blunder in college football, and his name still seems to live on because he went in the wrong direction. And I think about that as Christians. You know, sometimes we're running through life like crazy, and boy, life hits us right up in front of the face, and suddenly we get turned around, and we begin to run the wrong way. And do you know, we may not be given a, a nickname of wrong way treadway or wrong way whatever, but people notice that we're going in the wrong direction. When we lose our purpose for God, we begin to go in the wrong direction and people begin to notice that we're not going to what we weren't living like we were. We're not ministering like we were. We're not praising God like we were. We're not attending church like we used to. And it goes on and on and on. So let's look at today's scripture and see if we can learn some things from it, okay? Pray with me before we begin to read, beginning in verse number 8. Our Heavenly Father, we again come before you today, God. We ask you to open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, but most of all, God, open our heart to receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse number 8. Yea, doubtless, I have counted all things but loss for the excellency of in Christ Jesus as my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things, and I do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. 
and be found in him, having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I've already attained, either were already perfect, but I followed after. If that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth into the things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The key thought for today is verse number 14. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Have you ever been, have you ever had a goal in life that, you wanted so badly and you were working on it and, and, and you wanted to accomplish and you just wouldn't give up till you got there. That's the type of attitude, the type of pursuing we need when we go after knowing God more and being closer to him. Today we're going to see the picture of an athletic runner that's heading for the, pro, the finish line. And there's two questions here that I want to ask you, and I want you to keep them in mind as we go through the, the scripture today in the sermon. The first question is this, what is the prize? What is the prize that Paul's talking about here? We need to know what this prize is because in verse number eight, he says it's so important that everything else he's done in life before he started pursuing this prize, he counts as nothing but garbage. So undoubtedly, this was a very, very, very important prize. And not only do we need to ask ourselves what is the prize, we also need to ask ourselves how did Paul pursue the prize? How did he go after it? How did he press forward? Did he just stand there and watch? Did he run the other way like Regals? Uh, did he lay aside the old purposes of life for something new? Did he lay aside human accomplishments for what lies ahead? How did he pursue the prize that he went after? So here we go, the prize. First of all, in ancient Greek games, now remember, Greece is under the Roman rule. Philippi is a Grecian city. And with Philippi, they're very, very familiar with athletic games because did you know the Olympics started in Olympia, Greece? And it was going on at this time. So as they went for the prize in ancient time, as I said, they went for a statue. And usually it was of a Greek god because of mythology. Or they went for that wreath of flowers that went around their neck. Or they went for that gold medallion that we see them standing on the stands in modern day Olympics wearing. And sometimes they just went for money. They got paid for the prize, for winning. Now as they ran, they ran with no or little clothing. Now I'm not telling you today to run the Christian race without any clothes. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just telling you that they ran with things, getting rid of things that might hinder them. They wore the short shorts, the Magnum P.I. shorts from the olden days, okay? Those short shorts, they, it, it freed their legs to run 
smoother and faster. What they did, they did, they, they went with a biblical statement that is made, lay aside, this is from the book of Hebrews, lay aside every weight and sin that does easily beset you or hinder you. So they knew what they were doing there when they sold out to release themselves of anything that would slow them down. Also, they experienced markers along the way. There was distant markers out there that let them know how far along in the race they were. Now, in the Christian race, I want you to know, we're not running a sprint, okay? We're not running from here to the back door. In the Christian race, we're running a marathon. It begins at the day we surrender our life to the Lord and it continues until the day when our human life ends. We are running that marathon. So all along the way, God's putting markers in our path. We'll see those markers and we'll realize, "Uh uh-oh, there's an obstacle ahead. Or we'll see that marker and we'll realize, well, maybe we're halfway through this race. Maybe we need to pick the speed up just a little bit. We run and we see those markers along the way. And then at the very end of the race, there is another marker, a goal line, that when you reach that, you have reached the finish line. There is a finish line for the child of God. It's not retirement, okay? The child of God never, ever retires in this life. Now, you may give up your public job. You may not clock in nine to five, but in the work of God, in the race of God, you will never retire. You may not run as fast as you used to. I don't. Your mind may not function as well as it used to. Mine doesn't, but I'm still in the race. Are you still in the race? Can you see those markers along the line? Can you see where you need to improve? Can you need? Can you see how you need to press forward a little bit harder? Can you see the finish line that's waiting when you meet Jesus face to face? Well, see, that's what's going on here. What is this prize that Paul mentioned? He said it's the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. The high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Now, you take that two ways. You can take that seeing Jesus face to face, being placed in the glorified body to be just like him. You can take it that way. Or you can take it as sanctification. A word we don't use very much, but I like to take it as the high calling of Christ. Where I'm going is my new life in Christ that will be cultivated when I reach Jesus face to face when this life's over. But along the way, I'm going through a process called sanctification. First Thessalonians 4.2 in the English Standard Version said, For you know what instructions we've given you through the Lord Jesus. This is, listen to this, this is the will of God. Your sanctification. What's the will of God? Your sanctification. What's your sanctification? It's a holy, growing, set apart for Jesus Christ. It is a continuing effort. I mean, have you seen those Bart Durham, Bart Durham, is that the right name? The attorney commercials? Yeah, Bart Durham. Where the son standing there and says, I can't wait till I can see my clients face to face and I can deliver a check. For a child of God, you should say, I can't wait till I see Jesus face to face and he has his reward for me in his hand. Amen. That's the way it goes. Remember that Paul's not pursuing Christ in order to be saved. 
Paul is pursuing Christ because he is saved. All right, now let's look at that as we go along, the pursuit of the prize. You go back to verse 12. He says, I've not yet attained, which means I've not reached the prize yet. Now, we know at that point it cannot be. He's not talking about salvation because Paul's already saved. He experienced that on the road to Damascus when he met Jesus Christ. So he has already been saved. So he's not talking about I'm running the race in order to be saved. He's already saved. And, but he says, I'm not yet perfect. I'm not yet complete. None of us are complete. We're a work in progress. Sometimes we help Jesus and he can speed up the process and sometimes we hinder Jesus and we slow down the process, but we are a work in progress called sanctification. I've not yet attended, I've uh, apprehended, I've not reached the goal. He did say though, however, Jesus did. Jesus did apprehend, he's complete. He completed my salvation. He, he's already run the race. But Paul says, I'm not yet made it. I'm still in the race. I'm still running. And then if you go back to verse number 8, he's telling you that I counted all of my agenda as secondary. He said, it's just plain garbage. My goal is to know him. Did Paul not know Jesus? Can you get saved without knowing Jesus? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by him. You've got to know Jesus in order to get saved. But he's saying, my goal is to know Jesus. He said, my goal is an intimate, close fellowship with him. So this is what he's saying. Now, the day you got saved, if you got saved, you surrendered to the Lord Jesus. You laid down your life for his life. The life you live now is no longer yours. The Bible says you live it by the power of God in Christ Jesus. That life's not yours anymore. You now live your life if you are pursuing the prize, if you're pursuing the purpose now, you are now living your life in order to be surrendered to the Lord and to be surrendered to your brothers and sisters. You say, I don't like that. Well, I'm sorry. When you put your life down, you picked up Christ's life. He surrendered his life for you, and you've got to do the same thing for others. So we see that. You should be that. That's God's purpose for you. He said, what's the will of God in your life? Your sanctification. Now, following salvation, there is a living out, not living in order to obtain salvation, but there is a living out. Your salvation, the day you asked Jesus and surrendered your heart to the Lord, that was an event. Okay, now I want to present to you salvation in three forms. I want to present salvation past. I have been saved. At the age of seven years old, in my own way, I surrendered my life to the Lord and I got saved. That was the event. I got saved. Now, I'm 68 years old and I am being saved. What that means, I'm still in the process of living out my salvation. So I have been saved. I've experienced the event. I am being saved. I am in the process. And the future event is I will be saved. And that's when I accept and, and get to the prize. My, the prize which is eternal life. After this path, Paul says, I continue to count Christ's agenda more important than my own. I heard a quote and I thought, what a great place to put it. It was this. Treasures are laid up in heaven only as treasures are laid down on earth. 
Treasures are laid up in heaven only as treasures are laid down on earth. Now, <laughs> he goes on, he says, I've the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus. Excellency. You might say the diploma, the graduation. He says, I'm seeking the graduation. I'm, I'm seeking the completement of my education. I'm seeking my diploma. His priority was to draw closer and closer to the Lord. And he counted everything else, as I said, as garbage. Now, the problem is, for many that call themselves Christian, their leader, their Christian life, their running the race is no more than a cold and hot situation. It's an often-owned Christianity. It's an occasional worship, an occasional prayer, an occasional devotion time. But Paul says, I want more than that. I want to be able to win Christ's approval. I want to be able to win others to Christ. You know, it's when you seek the excellency, the diploma, the prize in your life. Now, in college, in my, as an undergraduate, I went to Tennessee Tech University. For over two years... I didn't really give a flip about studying, okay? I had an advisor that called me in his office. He said, Larry, you want a diploma with this particular, uh, you know, certificate on it. If you want it, you're going to have to change. It was a come to Jesus moment, okay? He said, if you expect to ever accomplish what you've told me you want to accomplish, you've got to change. For the next year and a half, I changed. Dumb me made the dean's roll every time it came up. Why? I was seeking my diploma. I was seeking the excellency. What if we went after the life of Christ that way? What if some, maybe suddenly the Holy Spirit wakes us up and says, you know, you want to please God. You want to grow in your sanctification." but you're never going to accomplish it if you don't change your ways. Would that wake us up? For most people, it probably wouldn't. But we see in verse number 9, he said, I want it to be found in Christ. Uh, he, he says, I want to be found living in his righteousness and not my own. He understood that all of his works, all of his righteousness was no more than filthy rags. So he wanted that righteousness which is perfect that comes through Jesus. So he says, I want to be found in Christ. Then he goes on to verse number 10. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know him intimately. I want to walk and talk with him. I, I want to accomplish this spirit-filled, spirit-led life. Now, he had met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and now he had a saving relationship with him. He had a message he was preaching for him, but now he wanted to even be closer you can always move up. The day you stop growing is the day you start dying. The day you start, stop growing spiritually is the day you start dying spiritually. So he says, I want to know him better. And then verse number 10 says, I want to know the power of Christ's resurrection. I want that new life. I, I want that life when Christ come out of that tomb. I came out with him. I want that new resurrected life in Jesus Christ. I, I want to lay down my life and pick up his life. And then in verse number 10, he goes to that part we don't like to hear. He said, I want to know the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. What? I want to know the fellowship of Christ's suffering. I want Jesus to know I'm not unwilling to suffer for him. 
I want Jesus to know that I'll take whatever comes my way to get to know him better, to get to be intimately close to him. I'll take whatever it is. Now, this is the average point that most Christians turn it off. Why? It's what's preached out there. Preached out there is the fact that so-called preachers are out there saying, you need to avoid that suffering. God don't want you to suffer. God doesn't want you to be sick. God doesn't want you to be poor. God doesn't want you to live in an average-sized house. God wants the best for you. Come on now. He don't want you to go through this. Is that what Paul said? He wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. He wants you to know how important you are. That's like Rich brought up a preacher's name this morning. Every once in a while, I've been out, and I'll call a preacher friend of mine. They say, what you doing? Well, I'll be out on visitation. I said, well, I'm just riding around listening to this preacher on the radio. And they look at me, and they say, what? I said, yeah, I'm feeling pretty bad about myself. I know if I listen to him, he'll tell me how good I am. I have never read God's Word and found out how good I am, but I'll read it and find out how good God is. And that's the way it goes. And then verse number 10 also says, I want to be conformable to his death. In other words, I want to be willing to not only be conformed to this world, I want to be transformed to him to the point that of his death. I want to die out to the old sinful man and be made alive in the new man. He said, without this getting out of this old life into the new life, I want to win the prize. Okay, that's the pride. Now, we go to the pursuit. In Paul's pursuit for the prize, some people may pursue happiness. Is there happiness in suffering? No. Is there happiness in laying down your life and surrendering to Jesus? No. There's joy. But there may not be happiness in there. I mean, happiness is lived for a short moment. Others may pursue respect or, reputa- or maybe reputation. They may say, well, I want people to like me, and I'll do whatever I need to get a title. I'll do whatever I need to be recognized when we understand that when this life's over, recognition goes along for nothing, nothing. Others may pursue pleasure. I know people who miss church regularly because they won't go to a sporting event. I had a youth pastor one time, bless his heart, I love him. Uh, he'd been a very successful pastor since that point. But at that point, one of the members, we were having an auction for the youth. And uh, one of our church members had box seats where they serve you refreshments and all at the Titans game. You're in an air-conditioned lounge watching the ball game. So they auctioned that off for one of the Sundays. I didn't know it at the time. I'd have said, don't ever do something that will hinder church. But I didn't notice it was coming up, and they auctioned it off, you know. You could have a air-conditioned box seat with refreshments and all at beginning at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning at the Titans game. You know who bought that? My youth pastor. What was his heart? What was he pursuing at the time? You know, I, I'm telling you, there's certain things you, you know, you want to be involved in. You want a difference in life, but there's also a priority of God in your life. So what do we seek? Uh, I know right now, I'm, 
No, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, many also will pursue material prosperity. You know, they want all the things and that they desire in life more than the things God desires. And we get caught in that trap. Now, before the pandemic, many ran in the wrong direction. You may have been one of those. You may have been saying, okay, I'm comfortable where I am in my life for Christ. And I'm coming to church regularly, and I'm praying every so often, and I'm giving money to the church, and, and I'm very comfortable in running my race right now. But you got an idea it's supposed to be a bed of roses. It's supposed to be comfortable, which Paul tells us it's not. And since the epidemic, though, so many so-called Christians have put their Christian run, their race, on cruise control. Now, what I'm saying on cruise control is you make excuses. Some are making excuses. When all of this is over, I'll go back to church. Where are they at today? Walmart? Or they'll say, well, when all of this is over, I'll serve God again. Now, remember what the Bible says, redeeming the time because they're evil? Or they say, when all this is over, I'll begin giving again. Remember what the Bible says, redeem the time for the days are evil. And some will say, well, when all of this is over, I will connect with my church family again. Remember what I said, redeeming the days because the days are evil. I had an in, we had an insurance client. He was Chinese. Donna taught him English. She taught him how to pass his citizenship exam. And one day I got to give him a lesson. He bought, I had a black Ford Thunderbird. Oh, it looked so good in the showroom. Till I got it home, I washed it the next day. And I washed it the next day. And I washed it the next day till I figured out there wasn't any use in washing anymore. It was just black and it was going to show every bit of dirt. He come in with his one day. He said, I want to speak to you. I want to talk to you. Can you come out here? I said, yeah, I come out. He come out. He pointed at the steering wheel. And he pointed at the cruise control button. He said, how do you do that? Oh, I said, easy. You get how fast you want to go, and you push the button and lock it in. He said, thank you. And then I come back in, I start laughing. Don said, what's wrong? I said, I'm sorry. I just told him how to put the cruise control in. I forgot to tell him how to kick it off. <laughs> I said, he may go through town in a minute at 90 miles there. I don't know. You see, a lot of us, we want to put our life on cruise control, you know, and, and we need to not look back but to go forward now Luke chapter 9 verse 62 you got it on the you got it in the paraphrase on the screen I'm going to read it in King James and I'm going to come back to the paraphrase said so Jesus said in him no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit now we southerners know what that means don't we? is fit for the kingdom of God your mom ever told you you wasn't fit to to be a treadway or whatever you know well you wouldn't fit to be a Christian. I'm not. So I understand what that meant. So he said, anybody puts their hand to the plow and look back, they're not fit for the kingdom of God. Now in the message, it said, Jesus said, no procrastination. No looking, no backward look. You can't put God's kingdom off until tomorrow. Seize the day. That pretty well explains that. This is the prize that we pursue every single day of our life. Not to be saved, but to attain perfection, sanctification in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul says, I don't want worldly claim, I want heavenly claim. And he worked hard for it, laying treasures up in heaven. Now, in the insurance business for 30 years, 
I used to give people a little booklet. I said, one of these days, somebody may break into your house and steal things you consider valuable. Someday, people, you may wake up and find out that your house is on fire and it burned down and you've lost some items that you consider really valuable. So I'm going to give you what I call an inventory book. It's got a room by room and you write down everything in that room you consider valuable to you. If you lost, you're going to need to replace. Did you know we need to do that as children of God? We need to look at every room of our house, our spiritual house, and begin to take an inventory and list down everything that we consider in our life as important for God. And to make that, Jesus said in Matthew six twenty three, to seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek him first, the intimacy of knowing Christ first and foremost. Now, this is my final scripture reference, and then I'll begin to wind it down, okay? Hebrews 12, verses 1, I've already referred to a part of it. It says, Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin, every weight, and the sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is before us, looking to, now here's the finish line, looking to Jesus, the author of, and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to be like the runners. Lay aside every weight and run with patience, keeping our eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. Now, for the last probably seven or eight years, I was pastor at White House Church. In our leadership meetings with the preachers and the deacons and all, uh, we would have planning sessions. And every year, I would plan a theme based upon our prayer and our need for revival. One year, and then we would do a small group study leading up to it. One year, I based it upon a Mark Batterson book entitled All In. And we called it an all-in revival, what it took to be all-in. The evangelist did an absolutely wonderful job tying every, all five messages together. It was exactly what we needed. But based upon this book, there was a reference in there to what he called one-way missionaries. What they did, they took off to the mission field, but they didn't take suitcases. They took with them a coffin. And they packed the coffin with all their worldly belongings they wanted to go with them with the understanding that they may never return. So they were referred to as one-way missionaries. They took their coffins with them, willing to run the race, even if it meant dying for the Lord's cause, for the cause of Jesus Christ. There was one missionary, A.W. Mine, it said he was in a tribe where he'd been killed. And for 35 years, he ministered to that tribe. And when he was buried, they wrote on his marker this. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. That's the pursuit of a child of God. That's what we need to be. God doesn't send us to safe places, but he never sends us alone. He's always with us. A passionate pursuit in seeking the Lord, His purpose and not our own. How you, now, this is your take home, okay? How you doing? 
How are you doing in running your race for Christ? How are you doing in pursuing the prize? Are you running your Christian life or are you walking? Are you actually in the race or are you a spectator? Are you running with, with passion or are you just kind of just participating enough to get by? And once you decide how you're doing in your race, would you do this? While you're deciding that, take that spiritual inventory. Saying, God, I'm wanting to please you. I'm wanting to know you better. I'm wanting that close, intimate relationship with you. I'm wanting to be a light for you before all of my family and the world around me. What can I do in this area of my life to be better? What can I do in this other area of my life to know you better, to have that closer walk? So figure out where you are in the race, take the spiritual inventory, and see where you need to prove value. We trust that God has blessed you with this message from His Word. Each week, these sermons are made available in video and audio formats. If you want to watch our weekly sermon and Sunday School videos, you can find them on our YouTube channel. Just search in the search engine for Portland General Baptist Church. Subscribe to the channel and be sure to hit the notification bell so that you're notified when a new video is posted. For audio, you can subscribe to our podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others. You can also find these audio recordings on our website, free to download. Just visit www.portlandgbc.org. That's www.portlandgbc.org. Until next time, stay safe and may God bless you.